1: coming with the blitz, Rogers sees it, floats it down the middle,
2: it is caught, Valdez Scantling going to go all the way, touchdown Green Bay, 72 yards.
0: You know, MBS, well I don't know if it would have been a classic Wayne Larrabee, there's your dagger situation, a little too early for even Wayno to make that call.
3: Welcome back to the program. Glad to have you. Hey, our friends over at New Mel Medical Center reminding you that it's a new year. Make it a new you, whether it's uh, the issues in the bedroom or maybe just lack of energy, brain fog, stamina, whatever it happens to be. Or maybe just putting on pounds. You put on pounds through the holidays and through the quarantines and you want to just kind of create a new you. Now's the time to do it. One phone number to get to all their locations. 414-455-4451. That's 414 414- Four five five four four five one again four one four four five five four four five one. That's the Newell Medical Center joining us now on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Our good buddy Mike Clemens, uh, our Green and Gold Insider, standing by. And Mike, uh, I mean uh, Marquez Valdez, scailing uh, a lot of uh, discussion today as to whether or not he is. You know, capable of making big plays at big times. He certainly uh, garnered one yesterday when he broke away from everybody, and that's the reason you have him around, because he can blow the lid off of a defense. But consistency is not necessarily his forte.
4: No, it's not. Um, I guess you just hope that that improves, continues to improve over time. We've been saying that for a year and a half or so. Uh, but he did come up with the big catch in the snow on the first one. Inexplicable because the other one hit him between the eight and the three, you know, on the drop. But that play uh, is all about Aaron Rodgers. When we took the trip to Chico, uh, we were told the story about Aaron Rodgers coming to the line. The clock was going down; it was going to be the final play of the game. His coach almost called timeout, and from uh, standing over center, Rodgers put his hand up to the coach like, "Don't call timeout. I got this." He took the snap. He rolled. He found an open receiver on a one-on-one. He threw a touchdown. They scored a walk-off touchdown, and then he told all his t- play, t- play uh, teammates, "Get off the field. Don't celebrate. Just get off the field." And they got over to the sideline, and then he informed his coach, "We had 12 men on the field. <laughs> That's why they <I> didn't <laughs> have to call the timeout. Right? Because and, and the refs didn't catch it. We got the touchdown. We won the game. He was a sophomore in high school when he did that." Yesterday, Aaron Rodgers comes to the line. He sees confusion on the defense. The play clock is winding down. Jamal Williams, normally he would take that back and move him back over in back of the quarterback to help with the pass protection, particularly with that uh, Bears defensive line and David Bakhtiari out. But Rodgers sees the confusion. He sees the opportunity, and he tells Jamal, you can hear him on the tape saying, stay there, stay there snaps the ball, drops back. MVS has got Danny Trevathan on him, not a corner, yeah. wide open, 72 yards, touchdown. And Matt LaFleur says he almost called timeout on that play as the play clock was winding down. So in that situation, it was actually a look
2: that we were going to bring the halfback back into the formation and have him in protection. Well, he could tell that the defense was – they were, there, there was some miscommunication on defense, so he rolled with the play, just kept the back out there, and, and that's what's so special about a guy like Aaron Rodgers. You know, I'm sitting there looking at the the play clock, ready to pop a timeout, and I'm I'm just like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna trust that he's got it under control. He saw the matchup, he saw the confusion going on. I we still don't know what necessarily they were trying to do, but there was something messed up. I, I want to say on the defensive side, uh, whether they were supposed to have a, a single high post safety but there there was definitely a blitz called and he hung in there you know those two guys made a play but that I think those are the things that not everybody understands about a guy like Aaron just what he's capable of doing how cool he is under pressure that just uh you you just is so special about him
3: yeah which is when, when you start to talk about well you know will Aaron Rodgers be a good quarterback when he's 38 39 40 The cerebral side of things is is crazy stupid for what he recognizes, and that's something you can't just teach guys, you know?
4: Patrick Mahomes might still have a cannon that he can throw that ball 75 yards rolling to his right, but nobody in the league has got that kind of awareness. This guy's had it since he was a kid, like Aaron Rodgers.
3: He's like a football savant almost, you know, Mike?
4: Practically, practically. Yeah. So, um, we, hey, let
3: me ask you this. The defense on fourth down, uh, not good. But then again, uh, Matt Nagy and company went for it numerous times on fourth down yesterday.
4: And they were successful, too. I mean, they were 6 of 15 on third down. And according to the Packers, according to Nathaniel Hackett, your offensive coordinator, if you can convert 40% or more on third down, you're a playoff team. And that's what the Bears were doing yesterday. And then they, weren't, they were 5 of 6 on fourth down. And obviously, keep the ball away from Aaron Rodgers. Um, Mitchell Trubisky, stop trying to make him a pocket quarterback. He's never going to be that. He's just still not wired that way. Stop making him having to spend you know an extra moment or two really trying to read the defense. Let him give him those RPOs. He's he's an athletic kid. He could roll out. He can use his legs. He can you know make the short passes. So they dinked and dunked them all day long and that's why that opening drive was over seven and a half minutes and the Packers only had the ball one time in the first quarter and that's the way he went through much of the game and Matt Nagy was talking about how his offense was great on fourth down but the thing where Mike Pettin you know the bend don't break he was killing him in the red zone here's Matt Nagy after
2: the game. Uh, We had six fourth down conversions which is probably more than we had all year long um, time of possession against this team is what we wanted. You know, we had 35 to 24 time of possession, and that's hard to do against them. Uh, our defense to come out in the, the third quarter there and to get those, that five and out, and that, that three and out. If you get an opportunity to, he throws you a ball. Uh, I'd love to be able to make that an interception with, the, with two or three, three of those that we had. We didn't, but we did get off the field. So I give credit there. Um, again, red zone for them was good. Red zone for us was bad.
3: He's right. I mean, the red zone was what it came down to. Even when the Packers had their backs against the wall after the turnover, they only gave up a field goal, so when the Packers are scoring touchdowns, the Bears are only putting up field goals. That kind of equates to uh, you know, the way that uh, the, the Packers get the win and you know, I mean, uh, you know, they they did some their things differently with Mitch Trubisky and the Bears look a little bit better, but still I just think pound for pound the Packers were just a better team.
4: And the Bears offense is also a little one-dimensional right now too because after David Montgomery, they really don't have of running back um, after that, Trubisky. Um, then of course they get to the one fourth and one at the Green Bay twenty-four. I think they're down twenty-one sixteen. That could have made it a game, maybe eleven minutes to go. And he rolls to his right, and he's going to try and drop one off to Allen Robinson and Shannon Sullivan. By this time, recognizes the play, jumps in front of it, bats that ball away. Uh, you know, huge stop there for Green Bay early in the fourth quarter. So Mitch Trubisky, here he starts out as the starter. They can't score in the first half. Uh, Then they're playing a horrible game against a struggling Falcons team. He gets benched. Nick Foles comes in. Later they would be playing the Saints, and a game that they played into overtime against the Saints. They brought in Trubisky for one play, and he jacked up his shoulder. He, He hurt his shoulder on this kind of gadget play. And so he was, you know, couldn't go back in if they wanted to for the next several weeks. Then he comes back in, he loses to Green Bay in, in his restart. But the, the confidence builds. They work with Bill Lazer more calling plays. And then they went three in a row. And son of a gun, here they got a shot at getting into the postseason thanks to the Cards losing their game, their quarterback getting hurt. So Trubisky asked, despite being benched and then a six-game losing streak there in the middle of the season, how about the fact that you're actually still going to be in the playoffs?
0: It's huge. I mean, this is what you work for. Uh, really, after that fourth and one was really the turning point for us. Uh, when, when the game was 21-16 and we were going down the score, we were there to compete, but we got to be able to finish games. And a big part of that is is my play. The season didn't go the way we envisioned it. But you have a new opportunity, so really none of that matters. So you just got to take advantage of that opportunity, and I'm very grateful for that. So it has got to be our best week. It's got to be my best week, and um, it's up to me to lead this team and make sure everyone's bringing that attitude that we got to have a great will about us and a great sense of urgency to prepare, have this be our best game preparation-wise, and then go out and then execute to the best of our abilities uh, because just the way the season went, all the ups and downs and everything in between uh, to be in the position we are now, we're we're very fortunate. But a lot of that is credit to the team sticking together and, and just hard work across the board.
3: As much as I want to look at the Packers heading into the postseason, Mike, and say, well, you know what? I don't think the defense can be as problematic as maybe we thought six, seven, eight weeks ago. Uh, but boy, special teams has certainly reared its ugly head in a couple of different circumstances here in the last four or five, six games. And it started off weird. I've never seen a challenge flag throw with no time off the clock.
4: <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. No, uh, offense is best in the business. Defense keeps on seeming to get better every week in terms of being more physical. They talk about even a higher level of, of work ethic and studying during the week. But special teams, again, you got you, if you got seven or eight special teams plays in a game and you screw up two of them or three of them and special teams makes all the difference and I, I go back to that Super Bowl we covered I think it was in Atlanta and it was the Rams and Sean McVay against the Patriots and everybody said what a horrible game it was 10-3 and I'm telling you I was there it was a pitchers duel it was some of the best special teams I'd ever seen it was all about field position and it was all about how the Patriots' secondary knew every dang play that Sean McVay and Jared Goff were going to try and run. And they, they, even the best open ball they had that day, it looked like a touchdown. The Patriots were able to pick it off in the end zone. And then came the special teams and the positioning. There was only three punts between both those teams in the game because they kept on going for it on fourth down with Chicago. And the Packers' offense was efficient. They only had the ball 44 snaps to Chicago 74. At the start of the game, though, explain to me what the deal was with, and you got Tavon Austin with that fumbled uh, punt, but at mm-hmm. the start of the game, Cordell Patterson, to me, it looked like he touched that ball inbounds, and it should have been at the one, not out of bounds at the 40, right? I mean, isn't that the way it looked like to you?
3: it it did it, you know they said it happened simultaneously but the way you understand the rules that if the ball takes you out of bounds where the you know if you don't have possession of it uh then that's where the ball lays dead and that means the ball would have taken you out of bounds which means that the ball's out in the 40 is if he would have caught it and then ran out of bounds that would have been out at the 1 yard line
4: so for the rest of the game Mason Crosby is kicking it you know out of the end zone and so that Patterson one of the best in the business Could not return it. But Shamanenga tried something to ask Mason, kick it to the right corner. It would be to his left side, and then he might struggle picking it up, and maybe we can get something happening here early in the game if we win the toss and we elect to defer and all that. And instead, you know, the Bears get it to 40, and they drive, and they score the first touchdown. Now, a lot of these teams are using these onside kicks, and we know about onside kicks. Remember Brandon Bostick? Okay. Mm -hmm. Teams are using that watermelon kick. And uh, there's this thing where some people are saying, you know, if you got one foot in and one foot out and, and you take the ball that you can neutralize it, you don't have to necessarily recover it, but you can stop the play right there on an onside kick. Sean Menenga, the special teams coach, was asked this last Friday. On an
2: onside kick, if a
4: guy's foot is out of bounds and he touches the ball,
0: the ball, is the ball still live and does it matter whether he's on the kicking team or the receiving team? I don't want to answer that wrong. I'd have to go back and look at the rules myself. As far as you're as you're
1: putting me on the spot right here, right off the top of my head, I'd have to go back and look at it myself and, and reread the rules. As far as so I don't I don't want to answer you wrong right there.
3: All right, well, there you go. He had to, he clearly went back and looked at the rules because we all saw it happen in, in a weird way. Uh, in the beginning of that game and then obviously like I said the challenge flag is thrown let's do this that's we'll step kind away of an we'll take moment though Th- that is that, that that's, <laughs> that's where your well your special teams coach is supposed to know that I mean that's the one thing is on special teams you're supposed to know the rules so for him to say I got to be sure I get it uh you know but they have also we, we you know have told guys hey if you take a if you take a step out of bounds when you're touching the football then it's out of bounds and therefore you can bring the ball back to the 40 and actually gain 20 30 yards uh, of relief for your team. So uh, they clearly know something about it. Uh, let's do this. We'll step away. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Uh, Mike Clemens, our Greening Gold Insider, joining us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. More of the Bill Michaels Show next. Everywhere in Wisconsin, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network.
0: Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Trubisky loads up and
2: intercepted by... Adrian Amos looking for blocks has a couple inside the 30 and the big interception haunting Trubisky he's been so good today but ill-advised that time and the Packers take over you know, it,
1: it, it was kind of weird. Um, it just felt like they had the ball for you know a very long time. You know, they was converting them third and shorts, fourth and um, fourth and shorts, um, things like that. So you know, if, if it's one thing that when we look on the film that we, we want to clean up is it, those um, letting them get to them short yard situations where um, we don't want to put ourselves in them situations to be in third and third and one, fourth and one. Let's let's get our, our work done more in the um, early downs. Those are the words of Adrian Amos, the stabilizing
3: factor in the secondary for the Green Bay Packers. Welcome back. The Bill Michael Show continues on. And uh, we're joined by our Green and Gold insider, Mike Clemens. And, uh, Mike, uh, man, uh, Adrian Amos has certainly come in and been a stabilizing factor. But, uh, you know, now you move into the postseason and you look for experience, I guess, Some of the guys, Bakhtiari, obviously not there, but you look at some of the other guys and you say, you know, to Aaron Rodgers, it starts with him and ends with him because they had that successful season in 2010 and then obviously in 2011 when they were the top seed and they get knocked off. So that's kind of where you start. You start looking for those guys to have that experience that can kind of guide some of these young guys through this.
4: Aaron Rodgers has been banging the drum all season. Essentially after they beat the Saints – in New Orleans, and so they had a feel for how good their team was. They felt real good about how their offense ran week one against the Vikings. Like, wow, this stuff is working so much better than it did last year. And so that's why he said, Saints, Buccaneers, said, let's get these guys to come to Green Bay. Let's play one of those teams up in Green Bay, and that's how we can you know, get in, get past this and get into the Super Bowl. So in 2011... They go 15 and one. They lost that one game to the Chiefs. Then they get one and done to the Giants. And they were they had a depleted secondary. Green Bay did in that game. That was one of the things that Eli Manning was able to take advantage of. And the second thing was was the Joe Philbin tragedy. You remember, his mm-hmm. son Michael right. died like Wednesday or something that week. The funerals on Friday, and they had to play a game, a playoff game, on Saturday at Lambeau Field. And you know it just. It tore the heart out of that team, so that's one of the things that happened in that one and done season. After you go fifteen and one, coming off your Super Bowl year and, and just outstanding performance offensively, so Rogers was asked, "Is there any lessons you can take from twenty eleven when you guys were the one seed?"
0: Yeah, I think for me maybe. I think for so many guys here, that it's just it's new territory. It's a different uh, different league. Um, obviously, there's only one by. Um, we played in this game. So many, uh all of us played, you know, in, in 11, uh, I set out and uh, Matty went out and put on a show. You know, we had some guys who didn't play in that game. So, you yeah, know, it's nice to be able to go in playing. We need, I think we need the buy. We need a couple guys to get healthy. Um, we're a little banged up. And then obviously the weather is uh, is a big factor, a big helper for us in Green Bay. So I, I'm not worried about any... Uh, yeah, any rust or anything. We've been real solid all season in, in situational football, and we were again today on third down in red zone. So I like I like our chances moving forward.
3: So, Mike, uh, we talked about David Bakhtiari not being there, and I know um, play action's a big deal for the Green Bay Packers. The one thing about it, without Bakhtiari, how much will it disrupt that rhythm of play action, that, uh, that extra second you get in the pocket because Bakhtiari is there to get a guy open, things like that. You wonder how the loss of Bakhtiari is going to affect uh, the, 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 movement of the offense.
4: Yeah. Like if you got to go up against that Bucks defensive line again, um, yep. are you going to need to get Billy Turner some help? Are you going to have to bring in a guy that otherwise you might want to spread out to help set up, you know, your pass play, um, you remember when they went fifteen and one, and then one and done against the Giants, and they came back the next year. Here, so here they win the Super Bowl, and they're fifteen and one, and the next year they're like four and four. And the thing that was different was they were still healthy and struggling. Mm-hmm. And I told you, and I can reveal now that Rogers told me off to the side of the locker. I go, but what's going on? He said three things, and I remember I told you this. Kind of off the air, but it's like it helped us figure out what was going to go on the next month or so. And they turned around and got to the playoffs again, anyways. He says, number one, the refs right now, we're trying to run more of a huddle up offense. They're taking forever to set the football, and it's screwing up the tempo. Number two, we miss Joe Philbin because Philbin had taken the head coaching job with the Miami Dolphins. And Mm -hmm. he said, Joe Philbin was so good at those in game adjustments. And figuring out early what the defense was trying to do, and then we could react and make adjustments, and he could get that to the play caller McCarthy. And the third thing was they were having troubles at center. That's when Jeff Saturday was in there. So mm-hmm. and he told and he, and he gave us that information. And that's in the back of my mind about how this young group between Lafleur, other playing the calls, and he's got Luke Gexie as his quarterback coach, and he's got Nathaniel Hackett, and Rogers is out there running the game. But someone's got to spot this stuff. And tell Rogers, what do you see? So I asked Hackett about that and also about why is his why is their play action so much better this year in year two than it was last year.
1: You know, I, I think it's you know, when we all got together, we wanted to be sure we were balanced and we wanted to be sure that everything looked the same and people wouldn't know if it was a run or a pass. We also wanted them to have to cover the entire field, um, which stresses defense out. So if they don't know if it's a run or a pass and they got to cover the whole field, you're going to put some defenses in a bind. I think we've done a really good job with that uh, across the board. I think both marrying the run and the pass and then, I mean, the protection has been great up front uh, with the offensive line. They've done an awesome job. And then when you can run the ball, I mean, <laughs> that's going to open a lot of things uh, on those second and third levels. And I think that it's just, everything's meshed really well. I think everybody's done a great job being on the same page, understanding what they need to do, why we're calling things. I think it's it's a huge credit to the coaches and to the players. I mean, our mental errors are way down compared to last year. So I think knowing what to do is always the first step in it. And, and when the guys know what to do, then you can start talking about those fundamentals and different ways to just get better at at their craft. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing those guys get better at their craft and understanding the big picture so much more. And and, and that's when the things come alive on the field eh, and big plays are had.
4: One year uh, Aaron and the Packers went 15 and one the next year, they got off to this rough start on offense. And after about a month or two into the season, Aaron said, you know what? We missed Joe Philbin. He had taken the job in Miami because of his ability to diagnose what the defense was bringing up. What is that role like for you in those first two or three series to figure out what are the wrinkles? What are they doing different? And and what's that process like? I
1: think you're kind of doing it throughout the entire game. I think, you know, all the coaches are. I think you go in with a game plan um, on how you want to attack a team. You, uh, and then for us, everything, uh, you know, a lot of the time when we play, people you know, have an Aaron back there. People want to give him different looks. Um, so y- you just have to be ready for anything and everything. Y- you know, I-, I feel like we do a great job in preparation leading up to the game to try to be prepared for anything that we might be able to see, whether uh, it's the it's pressure or whether we think we might have gotten beat the week prior on something, potentially getting that. We just try to put the guys through so many different things so that when it does get to game day, you know, we're always looking for that. We're looking for something that might be open. We want to be sure that we have enough, um, enough different uh, versatility in the plan to be able to adjust. So uh, it's one of those things, you know, it's just something we're always adjusting. We're always trying to get the best play and get the guys in the best position. And and myself, Matt, all the coaches, we're all we're all trying to adjust and see how we can attack.
3: Let's do this. We'll step away. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll wrap things up with Mike Clemens, our Greeny Gold Insider. He's uh, on the line with us. Hang in there. We got more of the Bill Michaels show next.
2: Wisconsin wide, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network.
0: First and goal over
2: the middle. Caught for the touchdown by Adams.
3: And the first round by is in reach. It says a lot about our team, man. I mean, it just shows the resilience that we have. I mean, it's not easy to go out against. That's a good team. It doesn't matter what, how many games they lost in a row, or or whatever it was. Um, you know, when they hit a tough spot in the season. But you look around, they got a, they got really good personnel. They got a um, a quarterback who doesn't get a whole lot of respect, but he he can he can create and he can do a lot of different things. You know, that that make it tough to go against, especially when. Welcome back, Bill. Michael's show continues on. Devonte Adams, uh, between him and Aaron Rodgers, it's kind of like the modern day version of Joe Montana and Jerry Rice. I mean, they are on just a different, a different level right now. The way they're, uh, the way they're getting it done. Aaron Rodgers breaking his own touchdown record, throws up forty-eight, breaks it by three. As a matter of fact, Devonte Adams setting records, and he played three, four less games than uh, Sterling Sharp did. So, I mean, it's just an amazing season that these two have put together between them and uh you know mike uh, mike clemens joining us our green and gold insider mike uh you know it's just it it's to watch them right now you could say that maybe the most important non-quarterback mvp candidate in the league would either be derrick henry or maybe devontae adams by the way he's playing it's just it's been amazing to watch
4: an interesting thing we learned last week post game that devontae said was you know what he said if you just give me single coverage I'm not worried about what the defense is doing. And and when they see that, that, there's some teams that say, you know what, we'll we'll do other things and scheme this out. I know it sounds simple, but they you know, the Bears did go with double coverage with put Kyle Fuller on him and then a safety or another defensive back. What was interesting is it took three quarters for the Packers to adjust and say, Well let's move Devontae inside and that's when things got going for him. They've got to react sooner to that. But he gets the six catches he surpasses Sterling Sharp for most receptions in a season for the setting a franchise record. And there's these intimate moments that we haven't been able to share with the team after these wins. That Aaron Rodgers even said, you know, I feel sorry for you guys, but he talked about what he w- said to number 17 after the game last night.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what I told Tay in the locker room. I said 13 and a half games, and then you just had the greatest season of a Packer receiver in history. And I meant it, and it got me emotional. It gets me emotional in this moment.
3: it it, i'm glad that they've got that connection that goes to show when all the stuff that he has talked about in regards to Devontae adams is heartfelt and meaningful he talks about his leadership he talks about his respect he talks about his friendship all of that comes into play when he says it makes me emotional now
4: you got vocal leaders you know emerging zadarius can trying to pick that up and adrian amos Really stepping it up over on defense. We talked about, though, you got to figure out something better for identity. You got guys in the back end, like, you know, I'm the one that asked two, two, three weeks ago, hey, coach, can you tell me about 49, Dominique Daphne? And that's when, you know, I get other people looking at me like, why are you asking about the last guy? Because these guys, you only got two tight ends right now. I don't think right. Jay Sternberger is going to make it. And the guy ends up catching a the touchdown and making a great play in special teams. You could see it when they were using it on special teams. Two weeks ago, and and during the warm-ups, this kid's got size and he's got some pretty good hands. And Lafleur raved about him then, and he's you know raving about him now after the game. And then it's Lafleur, who's you know straight. Let the players be the star. I'll open my door. I'll listen to what the players say a little bit in terms of just changing the schedule. But Lafleur went to Jamal Williams. The guy who likes to dance through practice, and he kind of made him a, a bet. He goes, if we win this game in Chicago. I'll do a Jamal Williams dance for you. So Lafleur talked about that after the game.
2: I, I don't know if you can call it that, but uh, I told, I, I was telling Jamal that, you know, we take care of business. I'll, I'll bust out a few moves. Now they're not very good, but um, I've never been known for my dancing ability, but uh, he inspires me on a daily basis, just how he brings it every day in practice on the, on the, on the field. Um, and so I've been, I told him he's got he's got to teach me a few moves. And uh,
3: I don't know. I, did they ever come out with a video? Did they show Matt Lafleur in any video right now, uh, busting a move, Mike? Or are we just they hearing? They haven't released any okay. video
4: of the locker room all season. I don't think the crew's actually allowed in there just okay. because of the uh, COVID. They're trying to keep. I it. thought
3: maybe one of the players had posted or something. Maybe they had a. Phone oh,
4: maybe. Like yeah, maybe. Yeah, or somebody maybe dropping a trophy. Seen, yeah. No, that's yeah. the Badgers. Sorry, I'm off topic.
3: <laughs> 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 hey, uh, Snacks. Harrison saw some time with the Packers too, and he uh, he. He did what he was there to do.
4: He's in there because he's a veteran, and he's got more experience than Anthony Rush, the 260-pounder. They claim that Snacks is only 339 uh, you know, not from what I saw in the practice field. But this guy is a character because, you know, he moved his family from Detroit to Seattle, and he was asked, how many kids have you got, Snacks? Oh, you got pen and paper, man. It's, it's
0: seven of them. I have seven, right? And ages ten. I'm sorry, twelve, ten, six, three, one year old twins and a five month old. Let me make sure I didn't miss anybody. Twelve, (laughs) ten, six, three year old, yeah, one year old twins and my five month
3: old. That's seven.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's (laughs) seven. (laughs)
3: <laughs> well you got to start going wait a minute let me oh, I, you know that's like huey dewey louie you know going through the whole you know hand list there yeah you got to make sure you, you he, don't want to miss he, any he kids
4: for him to just have a shopping spree and buy the toy store for his family exactly it gets, it'll be Christmas yeah.
3: Time, yeah completely agree with you completely agree hey uh this week guys are uh, out on the buy and uh i guess uh the one thing is don't get covid beyond that take care of yourself right
4: that, and there's an awful lot of guys, you know, I the first guy I think of is Adarius Smith and that ankle he's been dealing with and what a right. break it is for him. Or the shots that Aaron Jones took yesterday, maybe even A.J. Dillon from the week before. Everybody's got bumps and bruises from the quarterback on down. That's why you want that buy, And it's one less game, is one step closer to Tampa Bay. We shall see.
3: Uh, you know, we always have that, if the Packers are going, we have a standing offer from our buddy Bob. He uh, he contacted me last night Can't and said, "Hey, the house, yeah. yeah, the house is uh, the house is available." So
4: that would be awesome. That would it's be not awesome.
3: that far of a trek if we have to after we go there on a, on a moment's notice to have some lodging. So
4: yeah, no, I you know wouldn't it be wouldn't it be like Aaron Rodgers the last time he went to Super Bowl? It's 16 degrees and an ice storm. It was a ghost town in Dallas when you and I were down right. there. And then the next time he wins a Super Bowl is in the middle of a pandemic. It was just I know, season. right?
3: Yeah. Hey, they win. They win though. That'll at least bring us a little bit of joy coming out of the pandemic. Good stuff, Mike. We'll talk later this week. Thank you, Billy. See you, buddy. That's it. Time for us to go. Reminder tomorrow: Donald Driver. We go back ten years and talk about that Super Bowl run, and we compare that Lat team to this year's team. Double D is going to be joining us in the last hour of the program tomorrow. Until then, have a go. Ooh. Sure.